Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Not Overthinking. Ali, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I've had the weekend off amidst the uh, coronavirus pandemic, and I'm looking forward to a whole week of twilight shifts. This is a new thing that they've started on the emergency rotor, whereby where where like a normal shift would be, uh, uh, like a normal long day would be eight in the morning till nine at night. But now instead of that, we've got these twilight shifts, which start at 1pm and finish at midnight. So that'll Whoa. be interesting because then I'll get home at like 1am sleep, and then I'll either be able to have a lion or be able to have the morning to do something productive, both of which are better than kind of having to wake up at half six to get to work. So I'm quite yeah. excited about this week of twilight shifts it should, it should one, be interesting 1 p.m to midnight actually sounds pretty good yeah you know just wake up at like 10 11 feel like oh i've had a lion then you've got like an hour an hour to do stuff before having to drive to work so it's it should be exciting and the hospital has started offering free food at nighttime they've closed the restaurant to all patients so it's staff only restaurant now which has just made it a more sociable vibe somehow yeah. they've been assessed they've started getting and giving everyone free hot drinks just whenever so i've been getting eight lattes a day right. it's actually quite a good time to be a doctor <laughs> at least working on obstetrics and gynecology in a tiny hospital where <laughs> The Obzingani section hasn't hasn't been overrun with COVID yet. Nice. What about you? What's going sounds on? Like your life? You're ha- sounds like you're having a blast. I've had one major development in my life this week, which is that I have started using uh, the timer on my phone to time how long I need to steep my tea bag for. Oh, I was thinking about that this morning <laughs> making my AeroPress coffee. I was like, I just need to know how long to steep the coffee for. I like. Okay, tell me. Yeah, because because this used to be a constant source of anxiety for me, where I'd be making the tea or whatever, and then and then it's like, all right. How 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 long do I leave this thing in for? And then like sometimes I'll like leave it there and then I'll go and do something while I'm waiting and then I'll forget and then I'll have left it in too long and then the tea is really bitter or I won't leave it long enough. But this week I decided to have a system and uh, you know I, I, I did a bit of trial and improvement to figure out that I liked I like my PG tips steeped for about two minutes and I like my decaf Yorkshire tea steeped for about a minute and forty um, and then it just makes the perfect cuppa every single time and oh. uh, yeah it's just like significantly improved my life <laughs> why didn't i do this like 10 years ago yeah, well i'm glad you've uh, figured that out so wait so when you say trial and improvement how many trials are we talking or did you find something on the internet that said yeah you know an ideal steep time for yorkshire tea oh no i did like two or three trials intuitively i knew it was going to be somewhere between like one and a half and two minutes i think for black tea most people i think most yeah depending on the tea or whatever most people say like know, two to four minutes um i don't know yeah oh, that's pretty good i'm very happy for you it sounds like you're making yeah. the most out of social isolation <laughs> yeah and i was thinking that if we just having a little egg timer in the kitchen would actually be so good because <laughs> like it is a bit of revolutionary like, having to get the phone out like it takes it takes like an annoying number of taps on my on my phone screen to get to my one minute 40 second timer you know i mean have you have you tried have you tried using siri for that no i no i haven't because Does that's like that's like the box standard like every time molly and i are cooking in the kitchen by which i mean every time molly's cooking in the kitchen she says you know uh hey Siri, set a timer for 14 minutes for the pizza. And then she would say, hey Siri, so 
two at a time for 25 minutes with a veg and it just it just handles it oh wow nice okay yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go it's pretty good especially if you've got the apple watch on you just <coughs> oh no hey, siri's going metal in the background now oh it's going to stop it hey siri stop all the timers for the pizza and then shall say history so set a timer for 25 minutes of the veg and time to cancel thank you <laughs> right <laughs> yes <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, anyway, so this, this, this tea thing has been uh, been a big been change in my life. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um, in other exciting news, I've been having lots of Zoom interviews with people over the last few days. Oh yeah. So, what for? So basically, um, earlier this week, I don't know if you saw on, on Instagram because I was like really parading it as much as I could. I released a new Skillshare class on how to study for exams. They're not sponsoring this episode, so we're not going to talk about them too much. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Skillshare.com is not overthinking because it pops up um, about how to study for exams, and that that class has like completely blown up because it's like it was it was like one of those one of those like stuff of hockey stick type graphs because previously my class on how to edit videos was getting let's say I don't know uh, about 3,000 minutes of watch time every day and yeah. then I released a Skillshare class on how to study and that shot up to like 100,000 minutes of watch time per day uh, and then I was like oh damn this is really cool and then we had like loads and loads and loads of questions from people like with all sorts of new topics and then Angus uh, one of my new uh, one of my new team members came up with the idea that we should do a class about how to use Anki and then we, we were having a Zoom call on like Friday night when I got home from work and then by Saturday morning we planned out like this 30 video structure and I had the idea that hey why don't I ask on my Instagram story for people around the world who have been using Anki for their own exams and stuff we I can have Zoom interviews with them and they can share their experiences so that it's not just me and Angus kind of talking about Anki it's these people around the world yeah and so we had we've had we, we, we've had a few medical students from the US who have been following my stuff for a while and then they've been using Anki for three years and looking at their stats they use Anki on average three hours a day and are doing a thousand flashcards a day and you can see that on the heat map add-on and things like that so wow. i've been having kind of zoom calls with them and recording it multiple angles from my end getting them to record a separate uh, a separate angle and we're putting all this stuff together and already just in sort of 24 to 48 hours just after having the idea we've got like hours and hours worth of footage that we can chop up and turn into a sort of comprehensive oh, awesome. the ultimate guide to anki class and i'm very excited about this like this is i can't believe just like how fun it is to just sort of bring like put this stuff together in a very kind of short time frame it kind yeah. of goes to what i I, I, th I think i wrote about this in my email newsletter last week which i'm sure you haven't read which was about um, the power of moving fast because I find that like if I have an idea for something unless I act on it there and then it will end up just probably not happening because yeah, then we yeah. think oh you know I should probably plan it first I should probably you know yeah. do the ideation stage for two weeks and then I'll get feedback from people and then I'll do this and then I'll do that and that's fine but actually I think there is having a bias towards just acting very fast is is a superpower in this in this sort of setting yeah there's a quote that I really like which is uh, something along the lines of quantity has a quality all its own I'm oh, sure you've heard this one I haven't actually one? I don't think uh -huh. I have Mate, I'm add, adding that to my Rome Research daily notes. Can you repeat that? Uh, quanti quantity, quantity has a quality all its own. All its own. Yeah. On its own. Oh, its own. wait, on or all? All its own. All its quantity has a quality all its own. Mate, I think that could be a that could be a video. If only you were recording this from a separate angle. If only. If only. I mean, I'm recording this from a separate angle. I think I think you should start. Huh. How have you been finding doing lots of Zoom calls? Because I always find it to be a very draining thing. Um, so like on an, on an average day, I'll probably have like one to two um, sort of video calls with people. Um, and there, there have been periods where that has been a lot higher. So for example, when we were fundraising back in like August and September last year, I was having like, I don't know, four, four to six per day for like a very long time. Yeah. And I just found it extremely draining. And I've thought about this. And like, I think I, I find uh, video 
video calls actually more draining than in-person meetings with like the same people talking about the same things. I think the re- uh, the reason for me at least is that I feel like in person, you know, you when you're interacting with someone, you're kind of you know you're you're inject you're putting some energy out there. You know, you're releasing you're like putting out some energy, and the other and like uh, that is going into the other person, and then in response, you know, if it's a good uh, conversation or whatever, uh, they are they're also putting out energy and and sort of you you take in that energy and so it's like it's like a it's energizing to have a face-to-face conversation in real life mm. however i feel like with video call you are putting out the same amount of energy to but it, it it just kind of dissipates it doesn't really the energy doesn't really reach the other person and the other person's energy doesn't really reach you and so both of you are just kind of like it, it you know <laughs> letting out all this energy into the void and at the end of it you just feel i don't know <laughs> i feel draped oh that's interesting so i think i had like five zoom calls yesterday and i've got five more today um yesterday for a couple of them it it's it, it sort of felt like that but i think i think the kind of screen sharing aspect of it helps that not be a thing because when you're, oh yeah because in a way because you're both looking in the same direction <laughs> yeah, yeah rather than looking across from one another so for example yesterday evening when i was chatting to this other uh, med student youtuber who's kind of big on using anki that was like an hour and a half long chat and i felt super energized at the end of it because we had like a really good vibe and we were both like on the same page being like massive anki nerds yeah and we were just sort of sort of like going through his flashcards and I was like oh yeah you know there's this point you could add here about ganglion cysts I was like oh I can't believe you knew that thing about you know that hematological malignancy and it was just like really fun <laughs> um, yeah yeah so I I'm not sure if you have that sort of a uh, vibe amongst your math bros um, yeah sometimes, sometimes yeah just, I, I think screen share calls are nicer than like straight up video chat calls um, so yeah we often have like in a given week we might have like one or two user testing sessions where we want someone use the product for like half an hour to an hour or something and those, those are always like energizing I would say because mm. it's like you're both on the same screen and you're kind of watching them do stuff um, so yeah I think I think there is something to that anyway what's our actual topic for the day on that so this week <laughs> I want to teach you a bit uh, a bit of maths if uh, if you don't mind okay and uh, now all of our listeners have, have left <laughs> <laughs> great so it's just the two of us <laughs> uh, no so I this week I've been uh, I've been writing a blog post uh, to kick off the causal blog uh, oh the blog there post. we go you finally started a causal blog yeah exactly you start a causal um, YouTube channel as well while you're there uh, probably won't do that. Uh, yeah, so kicking off the causal blog with a blog post. Uh, the blog post is almost like our thesis for why we started this thing and why we think it's important. Um, and I start. Uh, there's been a book that's been on my radar for quite a while now called The Floor of Averages uh, by a chap called Sam Savage and Harry Markowitz, uh, The Floor of Averages. And I decided to, uh, you know, I've, I've known about this book for like almost probably like two years now because, uh, yeah, I guess I've been like reading in reading about this stuff you know it's you know, like statistics and all this kind of thing it's been on my radar but i always kind of assumed that ah you know I, I i know all that stuff i've studied it i get it you know and I, I so i never bothered reading the book but then this week i thought okay i need to write this blog post maybe this book has some like good stuff that i can uh, use use as inspiration so i started reading this book a few days ago and it was it just absolutely blew my mind like i you know i fancy myself a bit of a a bit of a probability man a bit of a stats man you know <laughs> um like our, our product is about helping people do stuff with probability partly um um, and even so, like this book just absolutely blew my mind and like completely changed my mental models for things. And it's so rare that that actually happens. And like, yeah, it ba- yeah, just reading this book completely changed the way that I think about like probability. Okay. And that's what we're going to learn about today. So this is a book discussion, the floor of averages. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. And, you know, in order to, to kick off the causal YouTube channel or your own personal YouTube channel, we should just put the Zoom call up on, on YouTube for whatever, for whatever it's worth. Uh, yeah, sure. We can do that. Fine. 
Cool. Is it going to be called Causal or is it going to be called Tamar Abdul? What? <laughs> Your YouTube channel. Oh, I don't know. Probably, probably. I mean, probably not causal. We, we don't want YouTube channel right now. Okay, fine. You can put it on your own personal channel. Uh, okay, so how should we enter this? Okay, so look, everyone, you know, we all make lots of decisions in our lives, right? In our personal lives and our business lives. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I'm just like, it's an, it's an interesting starting point. We, we all make lots of decisions. Yeah, we all make lots of decisions. Uh, some of those decisions are simple enough to make in our heads. You know, if you're grocery shopping and there's a deal on that's like, oh, buy one, get one half price. Then in your head, you'll kind of, you'll do something and you'll conclude that, oh, I should I should get the deal uh, or no, I shouldn't get the deal. So there, there are lots of decisions like that that we can make in our heads. Uh, but then many decisions are actually too complicated for us to really reason about just in our heads. And so we need some kinds of tools to help us think through them, right? Okay. Uh, and I guess the, these, these tools that help us think are often known as models. Uh, and like a model can be anything from uh, a couple of numbers scribbled on the back of a napkin, uh, you know, to work out how much each person uh, needs to pay at dinner. Uh, it could be that. It could be like a spreadsheet that is that has like hundreds of different numbers. It could be an entire software program that does millions of calculations. Um, but like I said, the, the thing that all of these have in common is that th these models are, are basically simplified versions of reality that help us think through things, right? Does that make sense or does that sound too abstract? Um, no, that makes sense. Uh, cool. So, so as an example, I don't know, like uh, many people might want, might have like some kind of spreadsheet where they are keeping track of their personal finances so that they they have like a rough idea of, you know, if I save this much money every month, this is how much I may have accumulated by the end of the year or something. Or if they're saving, you know, if you're saving up for a down payment on a house, um, you know, you'll probably, you, you should probably do some number crunching to figure out, um, you know, how, how many months you'll need to save for before you can get there. Um, that kind of stuff. So the, the these kinds of things are all models that we use to help us make decisions and, and think through things. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, spreadsheets are great. Calculators are great. You know, personal computers have made it really easy for anyone to supercharge their own thinking and decision making by creating models for things very, very easily. Um, but I think, and uh, Sam Savage and Harry Markowitz think that there is one big missing ingredient uh, from our models and therefore our decision making. And that ingredient is uncertainty. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, like the world, the world is full of uncertainty, but now, now more than ever, you know, every, everything's going pretty crazy right now. No one knows what's going to happen. Now more than ever, it is really important for us to account for uncertainty when we're making decisions. You know, if you, for, yeah, as, yeah, let's, um, let's use the example of, you know, suppose you, you know, you have some savings and, you know, the, the economy is quite uncertain right now. And you want to know that in the worst case scenario, you know, if, if I lose my job or whatever, how how long could I survive on my saving, right? That's something that, uh, that, that that's a calculation that might be useful for people to do right now. Um, and so you might start off by uh, saying, okay, well, just to pull some numbers out, then uh, maybe you, you, you think, okay, I have like, you know, $50,000 saved up and I think I spend around, you know, $2,000 a month on living costs. Uh, that means I have uh, 25 months that I can survive on my savings or something, right? That's oh, yeah. the kind of calculation you might do in your head. And that would be 
sim- a, a, a fairly simple model, but it will still be a model because you're, it's a simplified version of reality that helps us think through things. Yeah, precisely. Um, would okay. So su- suppose you would try and do this calculation. Suppose you, uh, you know, you had some economic uncertainty and you wanted to know how long you might uh, be able to live on your savings. Mm. Would you? Would you like trust this model? Um, not off the bat, because living off my savings is quite a high impact thing. And if my model is slightly wrong, like if I get, for example, a three thousand pound car repair bill or something, something weird that happens along that lines, suddenly yeah. I'm surviving two months less time than you know my life expectancy is two months two months less than I thought it would be. Absolutely, and, and, yeah, and that is significant. I'm I'm so glad you said that um, because that <laughs> that that is precisely the the the, the point that uh, that I think people should bear in mind when thinking about models, uh, which is that yeah, there's uncertainty. You know, your expenses one month might be a bit less than two thousand. There might be an unforeseen expense like a car repair that comes along. You know, things happen. And if you are budgeting to survive exactly twenty five months, because that's what your model told you, you're you're almost always going to miss that. <laughs> and so you need to somehow account for the uncertainty. Uh, is what I'm is what, what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, and it's uh, Sam, Sam Savage in the book, uh, The Floor of Averages, uses a really good analogy, which is that, uh, you know, if you're if you're trying to, if you're about to paint the side of your house, you know, you'll set up a stepladder, right? And the last thing you do before you get on the stepladder is that you'll give it a good shake. You'll, you'll shake the stepladder to see if it's stable, to see if it falls over. And if it feels unstable, you'll move it around a bit until it's, until it's stable. Um, and what you're doing there is you're basically simulating uh, random forces on this ladder to, to make sure that it's, it's sort of robust. And you want you you want to be able to do a similar thing a similar thing to your model. Like if you, oh, if nice. you yeah, it's it's an unbelievable analogy. Like the whole book is just full of like these absolute gold metaphors. Um, yeah, you want to be able to shake your model to make sure that it uh, it holds up even when something slightly unexpected happens. And that's where accounting for uncertainty comes in. Are you are you convinced that there is value in accounting for uncertainty when we make decisions? Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. You're okay. Great. Converted. Okay. Nice. So how um so how might you actually do that in this case. So, okay, we, we have our like basic model in our head, which we both agree is not reliable enough because it doesn't account for uncertainty. What might you, wh- how, how would you change your calculations to account for things a bit more? Okay, well, I suppose what I might do is I might say that my monthly expenditure is actually, it's not a fixed value. It's some sort of value between 1500 and $2,500 with $2,000 being, I don't know, the average monthly expenditure. Okay. And then I might model a best case and worst case scenario to give myself some sort of uh, like best case scenario let's say actually I, I probably won't bother with best case because that's not helpful that's a worst case scenario I actually spend $2,500 a month what would my runway what would my life expectancy look like yeah. in that context and that would be only 20 months rather than 20-25 months okay oh man you are uh, I yeah you're, you're, you're playing right into my hand <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to say and we haven't set this up in advance by the way we actually have not the plans, set this up or... um, yeah but this is this is actually following precisely <laughs> almost word for word the order in which i uh frame things in my blog post <laughs> nice <laughs> okay so yes so you know we, ha- we have the simple model we think okay we want to account for uncertainty and your your suggestion is to do some i guess some people might call it scenario planning where you consider some kind of you know best case and worst case scenarios for how much your expenses might be and that will give you some kind of best and worst case scenario for how how much runway you have how long you can survive on your savings yeah. um and this is uh this is a step in the right direction um so we can try and do this uh, this this is probably the point where you would uh, probably whip out like a spreadsheet or something and get it to do the number crunching because yep. there's quite there's quite a few numbers going on here. There's three different numbers for your expenses. Uh, realistically, in this kind of model, you will probably 
you want to account for something else. For example, uh, the rate of return that you get on your savings, if you have it in some savings account or some investments. Um, so th there will be about seven or eight numbers that, uh, that this model will need. And that's a good point to move into a spreadsheet. Uh, obviously, we're, we're doing a podcast here, so we're not going to do that. But I, I, I will try and walk you through roughly what the mathematics looks like. Okay. okay. So in your spreadsheet, what you do is you'd, uh, you'd have your like to, your starting savings amounts and there's there's no uncertainty there you know how much money you have in the bank then you'll have three different numbers for your monthly expenses you'll have the average case scenario where your monthly expenses are two thousand dollars you'll have the best case scenario where you spend less where you, your, your, your expenses are fifteen hundred dollars and then you have the worst case scenario where you spend more and your expenses are twenty five hundred dollars and in your spreadsheet what you'll do is you'll write some formulas so that uh, in the best case it'll start off with your savings and each month it would take off the uh, best case of your expenses. So each month it would take off $1,500 and then you'll see when you run out. Uh, you'll do the same thing for the average and the same thing for the uh, worst case. Okay. Um, now, I think it's worth bearing in mind that, uh, and I'm glad you use the term terms best case and worst case scenarios because these are generally the terms that people use for this. It's important to know that these are actually not best case and worst case scenarios, right? In the best case scenario, you would actually win the lottery every single month and you won't have to worry about any of this at all. And the worst case scenario, it'll, you know, significantly worse things would happen than you spending $25 dollars a month on expenses, right? So these these are not best case and worst. We're, we're calling them best case and worst case scenarios. Um, it's slightly misleading. What these really are is in your head, you it, it, these are some kind of a probably. In your head, you think probably my expenses are between uh, fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred. Okay, yeah, is that right? Yeah, but I'm but that's not accounting for random events like winning the lottery or sure. getting into a car accident when I'm in America and therefore having to pay through the nose for you know getting a cannula inserted into me. Yeah, absolutely. And so what what this what this all hinges on is what your risk tolerance is. If you are the kind of person that needs to account for winning the lottery every month or needs to account for maybe like having an accident abroad or something, then your risk risk tolerance will be a lot lower. Um, and so you need to internally decide how how much risk am I willing to take here? Basically, you need you need to figure out like what's the problem, uh, you know, how how likely do I not want to run out? How likely is it that I don't want to run out of money? Do I do I want to budget for uh some uh, for a runway that will be sufficient like 90% of the time or 99% of the time or 99.9% .9 of the time. Do you understand what I mean? You need to decide like how how how's how much risk you're willing to take. Yeah. So this sounds this sounds way too complicated now. And at this point I'm I imagine, you know, I would probably be thinking, oh, you know, screw it. It's it's not worth accounting for this sort of this sort of maths essentially. Um so I've I've mentioned some numbers and this is uh, uh, in in theory I've mentioned some like probability percentage numbers like 90% or whatever. Mm. Um, and th this is actually the only time in this discussion that I'd like to mention them because I think there's there's no getting around the fact that essentially these are not best and worst case scenarios and that these are sort of some kind of percentage chance thing of like, I think my expenses are between this and this 90% of the time. Yeah, sure. That, this is the only time we'll talk about it. Okay, that's um, fine. Cool. So we, the numbers we are starting to confuse me. Yeah, yeah. We won't be doing any complicated numbers or any complicated maths. But essentially, let's just agree that, um, let's, let's just agree that the word probably for this discussion means that means with 90% chance. And so, you think your expenses are probably 1500 to 2500 and you want to be sure that you probably don't run out of money sooner than you expect. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. That makes sense. Okay, great. So now you run your best case scenario, you run your worst case scenario, you run the average case scenario and your spreadsheet, uh, maybe you put it on a chart, your spreadsheet shows you three different lines, one for like the best case, one for the worst case, one for the average case. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might tell you that in the best case you have, uh, I don't know, like 28 months. In the worst case you have like 20 months and in the average case you have like 24 months or something, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, you rightfully said that you you basically 
you want to ignore the best case uh, and you want to account for sort of at, at least like the worst case um, yes. because you, you you care very much about not running out of money sooner yes. than you expect. Yeah. Um, and that's the right thing to do. Now, I'm going to tell you that actually, yeah. So what do, what do you think the best case scenario, like let's say the best case scenario in your model tells you, uh, sorry, sorry, let, let's say the worst case scenario in your model tells you that you will you will have like uh, 20, 20 months of runway. Mm -hmm. What does that number mean? In, in this context specifically, yeah. Yeah. this means that I need to find a side hustle in the next 20 months. Probably oh, yeah, a lot sure. sooner than yes, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly the kind of decision you make based on this number. But going back to what we said about like probably, yeah. what what does it what does this number mean in that sense? The, the number we were looking for was that oh, sure, it means that in it, it is that if I were to live 100 lifetimes in 90 of them, I would survive the next 20 months. I love it. <laughs> You've activated my trap card. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay. Now, what we have, this is to one of the key flaws of averages. <laughs> okay. What are more, it, it turns out, you know, it, it turns out that in our, in our model, the overall worst case scenario is significantly more unlikely than the worst case scenario for the, our expenses in, in any given month. And it turns out that the best case scenario is significantly more unlikely than the best case scenario in any, in any Sorry, particular month. Significantly more likely or more unlikely for both of them? Unlikely. Unlikely, unlikely. So the worst case yeah. is significantly more unlikely than our actual worst case scenario. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm telling you that this, like, if, if the model says that the worst case scenario is 20 months, 20 months almost never happens. You want you want it to be like 90% sure that you don't run out of money. 20 months would make you like 99% sure or something. Like, it's way more conservative than you think. And similarly, the best case scenario is way more optimistic than you think. The best case scenario that the model, you know, you inputted these sort of a particular kind of probably and uh, in the process of your model the definition of that probably changed and the, and the probably that comes out of the other end is very different and so if you're relying on the best case scenario of the model you're going to be way too optimistic I, I relying, I, I'm about to tell you but if you're relying <laughs> on the worst case scenario of your model you're going to be way too pessimistic and you know in, in this kind of in this kind of setup there's a very high cost to being very optimistic the the cost is that you uh, run out of money sooner than you think and you're you know, broke and, and, and all the things that, that, that come with that there's not a massive cost in being in, in being too pessimistic but there is a cost you know you'll be living more frugally than you need to you'll maybe have to like make sacrifices in different parts of your life that are important to you um, yeah. and you know in, in the case of like a business if you're too optimistic then you run out of money and uh, and everyone go, go, goes bankrupt and if you're too pessimistic then you could have been spending more money to grow the business or to invest in things um, and and you don't end up doing that so oh, it's mate, bad to be too is, pessimistic and it's bad to be too this is, this is exactly what I'm currently going through with uh, the the side hustle in that I have in my head this more or less model that takes into account like six different streams of revenue and in my head I, I and I just know I'm being way 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 too pessimistic yeah um, and I've been thinking I should make a causal <laughs> model to account for this but I've, then I've been thinking oh it's probably too much effort I can't be bothered yeah yeah okay so look conclusion one from my model is that the best case worst case scenarios are actually highly misleading even worse than that I'm going to tell you that the average case scenario of your model is not the average is, is not the average outcome the average case scenario of your model will probably look I, I i would need to check the maths on this and that's how unintuitive these things get but the average case that your model tells you will probably be too optimistic uh sorry oh, opt optimistic meaning too optimistic yeah you, you'd want the average case to be something that 
you know, 50% of the time, it's like, you know, the average case is, suffi is sufficient runway or whatever. Okay, so um, wait, wait, so, so, so we're saying with our simple calculation that the average, my average monthly expenditure is is $2,000 a month, and therefore yeah. my average runway would be 25 months of, of yes. life expectancy. So yeah. you're saying that's too optimistic. The no, actual... no, 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 so that, that, that's fine. It, it, you, you'll remember that we, we when we said that we'd move the model into the spreadsheet, we said that there's other things we want to take into account. For example, um, the return yeah. we get on our investments and things like that, okay? Sure. And so, you know, for those things, you might say, okay, I think I get like two to 7% a year or something, and then, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and and yeah, it, it turns out in this slightly more complicated model where you've added some investment thing, your, av your average case in your model is actually wrong. Um, and you'll actually miss the average case more than 50% of the time, which you don't want. Okay, you, you, you've lost me. Okay, um, you'd want, you know, when, when, when we talk about averages, you, you know, if you think about the average case scenario, yeah. in your head, you'd think that, okay, 50% of the time, I'll do better than that average case and 50% exactly. of the time yeah. I'll do worse than the average case. Sure. I'm telling you that in this particular model, you would actually do worse than that average case scenario in air quotes more than 50% of the time. So the average case is actually not the average case. And I'm telling you, okay, why is that? Okay, yeah, yeah. When, okay, when fine. <laughs> <laughs> so look, to the, so the, there are two issues. The first is that we we don't get, you know, we, we don't get the right best and worst case scenarios that we care about at the end of this. Uh, and the second issue is we don't get the right average case scenario at the end of this. So where, where did it all go wrong? And this is where the flaw of averages comes in. Okay, so I'll, I'll explain to you why both of these things happened. Okay, the first thing, the, the best and worst case scenarios, you know, we say that we say that 90% of the time, our expenses are between 1500 and 2500. Yeah. And we want to know that like, you know, you want to know that 90% of the time you don't run out of money. Now, in your in your models, in your models, worst case scenario, what you did was that you, you took the worst case scenario for a particular month, and you say that that happens every single month. Okay. Uh, yes. And now <laughs> this is that this is weird, right? Because you know, you'd expect you'd expect things to go wrong, uh, some things to go wrong some of the time, but it is highly unlikely that everything will go wrong every single time. Yeah. And your model's best case, your model's worst case scenario assumes that things go as wrong as they possibly can every single month for 20 months straight. Yeah, it's like rolling 20 dice and saying, I'm going to get a one every time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that is that is like crazy unlikely. You know, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a single month, there's like 10% chance or whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I've used numbers again. In a single month, you know, there, there's a reasonable chance that uh, you might spend more than your average. Um, but the chance that you, you know, consistently spend loads more than your average every single month for 20 months straight, that's highly unlikely. And so that's the reason why everything gets skewed. Um, essentially, the the maths doesn't work the way you think it does. And, and, and look, this is the same idea as like, uh, as tr having like a diversified portfolio for your investments. The idea is that it's highly unlikely that everything will go wrong at the same time, you know? So like, you know, if you have a diversified portfolio, you know, chances are in a given year or something or over a given period of time, some things will go wrong and some things will go right. Um, but it, they'll, they'll kind of balance themselves out. And uh, this sort of, yeah, I guess diversification uh, is the mental model you want to have here when it comes to sort of adding together lots of uncertainty, right? Does okay. that make sense? And so yeah, diverse, the, the diversification principle or whatever, if, if you want to call it that, is the reason why um, your model's best and worst case scenarios are actually very different to what you think. Okay. Um, and as an aside, uh, one of the authors of this book, Harry Markovitz, is uh, what I'm saying. He's basically the guy that came up with modern portfolio theory and won a sort of Nobel Prize for it um, about kind of diversifying investment portfolios. He, he He's the guy who came up with this. Okay, hang on. Wait, why am I hearing random tapping in, in your background? I'm playing with my finasteride. Why are you playing with your finasteride? <laughs> that's not what the finasteride is for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think it's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you've lost all your hair. <laughs> 
So we've just been holding it in your hand and expecting it to work. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, um, sorry. So, but, uh, okay, yeah. So do you, do you John Malkovich is the guy who came up with averages. Harry Malkovich is Harry the guy Mark, who came up yeah. with, with portfolio theory, um, which is uh, links to this idea of like diversifying your investments or whatever. And it's this, and, and the same principle of like diversifying is is the reason why your you know your model's worst case is actually a lot worse than you think. My model's worst case is a lot worse than I think. Okay. Your models, your model, what what you've called the worst case scenario. Oh, sorry. It's, that's that's actually worse than it probably is in real life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got yeah. It. yeah. Fine. Your model is too too pessimistic on the worst case scenario and too optimistic on the best case scenario. Fine. Um, now the reason the reason why the average case scenario turns out to be wrong is a bit more complicated, uh, and we won't get into like the maths of it because I'd uh, yeah that I'd have to start writing things down. Uh, essentially, the reason is that there is an asymmetry in uh, in the model. You know, it, as as soon as you you know if you're just adding stuff and subtracting stuff, it's all fine. The average you know if, if you add and subtract the averages, that will lead you to like the average outcome or something. Mm. Um, but as soon as you do things like multiplying uh, and uh, multiplying repeatedly, uh, or you know, as soon as you throw in some kind of you know some special kind of case, yeah, yeah so co- things like compounding, any kind of special case where if you say if in if in your model you say you know if my expenses go below this, then I will do this next month. Any kind of asymmetry that you introduce uh, will basically mean that uh, the average average assumption will not lead to the average outcome. Okay, and so the the, the compounding kind of means that uh, that the averages go wrong as well and i i can give you a more a more obvious example of this let's let's suppose that you are a uh i don't know you're organizing an event or something there's going to be like a buffet with like 10 different dishes okay um and you know each of these dishes let's say takes on on average takes one hour to prepare and you can uh you can serve the buffet once all the dishes are ready right is that understood yeah reasonable and you you know you can cook all the dishes at the same time you don't have to wait okay so you have 10 dishes you need on average each dish takes one hour to prepare what's like the average time it would take for the buffet to be ready um okay so on average each dish takes one hour to prepare there's 10 dishes so everything will be ready in 10 hours assuming you only have one oven no 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 no, no. i'm saying you can cook them all simultaneously oh and in that case on average one hour okay no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay so let's let's think through why that's actually not the case and and this the and and this scenario is exactly oh no, why. no 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 i've got it you've got I've it got it i've got it so when I said on average one hour, I was wrong because of the stipulation that all 10 dishes have to be ready at the same time in order for the buffet to work. Okay, yeah. And so if any one of them takes on average one hour, actually your your limiting step is the slowest dish. Yes. So the average time for the buffet to work would be the, what is the average slowest dish? Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's that's exactly it. Basically all it takes is one dish to be slower than expected and the whole buffet is delayed. Um, you know, some dishes will take faster than expected expected um some will take slower than expected the ones that take faster than expected don't give you any it, it doesn't save you time because you're sort of yeah it relies on what the slowest dish is and so in this case the buffet will you know almost never the buffet will almost never be ready in one hour uh, it will almost always take um probably quite a bit more than one hour and this kind of thinking uh, is is like i said the, the same reason that almost every project uh takes longer than expected i don't know the last time uh i guess yeah you haven't really worked in a company or whatever but yeah everyone just knows that everything takes longer than expected and the reason is because the way we think about like how, how what's the expected time for things to take, it's completely skewed by yeah. the flaw of average. Yeah, it's like every every SRG, every video I make always takes longer than it should. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so do you feel like you understand that you can't rely on the average inputs to lead to the average outcome? Um, I do. Uh, I feel like we should tangent off because having discussed all of this stuff, I think, uh, what does average even mean then? Like, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, let's not get into it. 
fine. No, no, <laughs> average means what you think it means. Average does actually mean what you think it means. It means like 50% of the time it takes like longer than an hour. Okay, fine. In this case, that, that, that is what happened. That's fine. Okay, fine. That, that's, that's, that's reasonable. So let's not get into it. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, it's actually not that meaningful to get into that here necessarily. Because uh, yeah, you, average means what you intuitively think it means. There's no, there's no like, uh, there's no wizardry going on. I'm not like pulling the wool over your eyes. Average means what you think it means. Okay, but you're saying that that given that, so if it, my, my original answer that it would take one hour on average to prepare all these dishes, that's me intuitively thinking that 50% of the time it'll take more, it'll take less than an hour, 50% of the time it'll take more than an hour. But actually yeah. in reality, given the stipulation that all dishes have to be ready before the buffet can start, it would basically 100% of the time would take longer than an hour. Yeah, and like yeah, the, the, the average thing is, you don't even have to say the 50% stuff. When you, when yeah. you say that I think it'll take an hour on average, uh, what's really going on in your head is you, you, you're thinking it'll probably take close to an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> when actually in this case, it'll almost always take longer than an hour, like significantly longer than an hour. Um, so we, we don't need to be too precise with definitions for things to still be wrong. So I now appreciate the idea that my intuitive understanding of averages is probably flawed given the asymmetry in, the, in our model. Yep. What's next? Uh, okay, yeah. So, so look, j- just, to, just to backtrack, first we had the basic kind of calculation in our head of like, you know, my n- number of saving, my amount of savings divided by my monthly expenses to get the total months I have. We agreed that uh, that's not that reliable because uh, there's uncertainty and so you want to account for the uncertainty. Then we thought, okay, to try and account for the uncertainty, we might pick like a best case scenario for our expenses and a worst case scenario uh, and see what that gives us. And now we found out that that doesn't give us the right results. Um, do you have any idea on how like how we might be able to get the results we want okay so i would make a spreadsheet and i would say that okay i've got i've got uh you know let's let's figure out how much money i'm actually going to spend every month and i would somehow do a thing of okay 90 i would set my average as being i would set my mean as being two thousand dollars i would set my sort of the limits of my standard deviation to be that okay right so let's no, let's not use let's not use any kind of okay, stupid fine. terminology stupid terminology fine so fine i would say that uh for 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 a given month, I want my I want my expenses to be fifteen hundred to, to twenty five hundred. Yep. And somehow add a multiplier based on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got I've got to think about this. I've got to think. About okay. It. Yeah. Please, please do. I mean, what I'd like to do is basically fig- is basically set a distribution. Um, Don't use stupid words. What I'd like to do is <laughs> spit out a number for any given month. No, what I'd actually like to do is be able to model a million lifetimes where yes. <laughs> <laughs> where it takes into account the odds of it takes into account the odds for each month and then yes, it yeah. adds them all up to give me an actual best and worst case scenario probably uh, a probably best and worst case scenario based on a million yes. lifetimes yes precisely uh that's that's exactly it uh, I'm, I'm glad you i'm glad that's how you that's how you phrased it uh so what you're essentially saying is like is that you'd like to simulate all the possible outcomes and see what actually happens yeah i wanted to that say right? that without using a stupid word like simulate <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah yeah i would i would have called you out for that uh no i mean simulate is an english word man distribution is not it's a latin word is it <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, it's not a normal english word it's, it's a technical term um yeah you want to you want to shake the ladder basically right you want to simulate all these different things and uh and see what happens does the ladder fall down does it not fall down um and uh yeah this is this is actually the only way this is actually the only way to do it you need to somehow simulate you know thousands many many thousands of possible uh lifetimes uh based on how much money you spend each month to see okay i mean it, it's it's like in uh, avengers endgame right where Doctor 
Strange explores the 14 million possible futures, and then uh, Iron Man is like, uh, and you know, and, and ha- yeah, Iron Man's like, how many how many futures did you see? Uh, and then Doctor Strange is like, 14 million and 65 or something. And then Iron Man is like, and in how many do we win? And then Doctor Strange says one, right? Like that, that you basically want to do that. Hopefully, you'll you'll win more than one in 14 million times, but it's the same concept. So basically, the time stone is what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, so you need to find a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> find someone as part of the inner sanctum is, is is that what it's called the sanctum something like that there's some there's some sort of sanctum yeah. um but th- thankfully we do have these sanctums and we do have these wizards um, they are at www.causal.app <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> there we go we can end the podcast right there um yeah so look you have you have to simulate everything and see what comes out of the other end that's the only way to get uh get to what you want to get to broadly there are two ways to do there are there are three ways to do this the first is if you have a lot of time and and a lot of programming and statistics knowledge you can sit down and write a computer program to simulate your life you know your a very simple version of your financial life over the next few years and see what happens you could do that probably should, you, know, you, you probably won't the other option is to continue using uh, a spreadsheet google sheets or microsoft excel um, but to get a plugin for for the spreadsheets that lets you do this kind of simulation stuff and there are a few plugins floating around um but the issue is and no, they, they work well if you are among the initiated if you're fairly technical and you understand uh uh, the stupid technical terms that I was telling you not to use. If you understand uh, what a Gaussian distribution is and what standard deviation means, what variance means, I guarantee you don't understand them. Uh, I don't think I understand them, to be honest. Uh, then then these kind of spreadsheet plugins might work for you. If you're basically not in any of those two categories, and I almost guarantee that you're not in any of those two categories, uh, you should use causal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, ca- causal essentially, you know, a ca- a causal let, does simulation out of the box. It, simulation is the only thing causal does. It is it is what happens behind the scenes when you do any kind of number crunching or modeling your causal. It runs simulations for you. So if you define if you if you say in your causal model that my expenses are fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred a month, and you can literally say that in causal, you know, in a spreadsheet you make like three different cells for like best case, average, worst case. You enter fifteen hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred. In causal, you will literally type out one five zero zero space to two space two five zero. You type out 1500 to 2500. Causal will understand what you mean by that and it'll turn that into, you know, it'll understand what, what, what's going on. Uh, and then you'll write a single formula to basically calculate uh, how much money you have every month. You will write something along the lines of, you know, you, you write an equation. You won't actually write an equation, but it'll be something like, you know, cash in bank equals previous cash in bank minus monthly expenses. You'll literally write that out. You know, in a, in a spreadsheet, what you do is you'd, you'd have to create like 12 different columns, you know, 20 different columns for the different months. Then you'd have to write a formula, which is like, you know, C3 equals B3 minus C2. And then you'd like drag that across so that it creates more formulas. Um, in Corel, you can actually just work with the with the, the English language concepts that you have in your head. You can say cash in bank equals previous cash in bank minus monthly expenses. Uh, and what Causal will do behind the scenes is run thousands and thousands of simulations and then show you what the actual range of outcomes could be. And if you care about, if you care about not running out of money 90% of the time, Causal can tell you the number for that. If you care about not running out of money 95% of the time, it can tell you the number for that. 99%, whatever you want, whatever your risk tolerance is, Causal can show you uh, all the possible, you know, the, the range of possible outcomes that you care about. And you can get the number that you want, which is, you know, I have like 19 months of runway if I spend between this much and this much month. So let's do this right now. Uh, we'll uh, cut out this dead time, but I'm curious to know what the actual runway would be with the numbers that we've talked about. So can you whip up yeah. the Causal model now? Uh, yeah, I actually have one at hand. I'll send you a link. 
All right, let's go with budgets. Oh, actually, just share your screen. All right, we'll do that. All right, can you see my screen? Yeah. Can you see this? Yeah. Cool. So we have a model. There's some variables. There's some formulas. You don't need to worry about the formulas. We have a dashboard where we can see the inputs. So we can, at the moment, the starting number of savings is $30,000. The monthly expenses is okay, 2000 Change it to 50000 because that was the, yeah. 50000 sorry. Okay. Uh, monthly expenses, we said was going to be 1500 to 2500 uh, All right. So $50,000 starting off, 1500 to 2500 is our expenses. Uh, and you can sort of see that 90% of the time, you will last more than 23 months. Can you see that? Yeah. You say where it crosses zero. The 90%, so the, the orange band, uh, we'll, we'll remove this whole section of the podcast. Uh, the orange band is showing that like 90% of the time, you'll be above this this bottom orange line, which is uh, which is 23 months. The, the bottom red line is the kind of fake worst case scenario that you would have gotten if you're if you use the, the the scenario stuff and that's showing you that you have 21 months 90% of the time so that's like two months difference in a simple model like this it's off by two months if you had more variables going on here uh, or if it was over a longer period of time for example a retirement model then instead of being off by two months you might be off by like five six years you know okay fine yep. so what's our average well what's our average actually it still is 25 months sorry our, our average uh, it, is still 25 months in this case the average is very uh, the average is very close to the average that you'd get um, by estimating it yourself just because like the the rate you know a rate of return over 25 months is not going to be too significant um, but yeah the, the average isn't too far off in this particular case but if your model was a bit more complicated uh, it would it would get more and more far off so after all of this we've decided that actually I could probably just do it in my head for a simple model like this one have we? I think so. I mean, it seems like the average case scenario is pretty identical to what we kind of did on the back of the envelope calculation in our head. Yeah. So, so the average case scenario is 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 similar. The the sort of worst case scenario, which is the one you care about, is two months off. So uh, this would be the difference between uh, accounting for like twenty one months of uh, of runway versus like twenty three months of runway. Um, which is like it's that's a tangible number. That's two months of your life. Uh, I, I think you want to get that right. Uh, but uh, this this simple example was just to illustrate the concepts and the uh, the dynamics dynamics at work here, which is that you can't trust averages and you can't trust your, what you think are your best case and worst case scenarios. As as a model gets more and more complicated, the difference between uh, your estimates and the actual results will get more and more big. Okay, yeah, cool. That makes sense. I buy that. And uh, and that's the math lesson that I wanted to, oh, well, thank you. to take you through today. That was very enlightening. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, good stuff. Uh, good and yeah, stuff. you should read this book. I think everyone should read this book. It's just, it's 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 also just like really engaging. Like it's not, a, it, it, it does not read like a maths or a stats book at all like the guy's making jokes he explicitly does not use uh, technical terms and things like that um, basically the, the author his his whole life's purpose is to get people to think in terms of um, distributions rather than sorry <laughs> to get people to think in terms of to, 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 to use uncertain numbers rather than fixed numbers uh, to get people to think in terms of uncertainty his entire life's purpose is to like spread this agenda nice. um, my my entire life's purpose is somewhat to spread this agenda and my my belief is that this agenda will okay so the, the angle the angle that Sam's 
Savage has taken. And look, he's been he's been beating this drum for a few decades now. He has set up uh, he has set up a organization called Probability Management, uh, where he and a bunch of other folks who are really into this stuff they have uh, you know they have created a standard called SIP. It's called SIP, uh, which is a way for people. It's it's a like data standard for people to pass around uncertain numbers rather than fixed numbers. So for and and and, and Sam Savage believes that every organization should have a chief distribute chief probability officer CPO whose job it is to provide people with accurate uncertain numbers for things that other people can then use in their models. Um, and and yeah, his his I think he's an absolute visionary. I just think it's highly unrealistic. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure he says this chief probability officer. He does say the chief probability officer stuff with a bit a, a bit of like tongue in cheek, like obviously this is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but he want look. He wants people to work with uncertain numbers fundamentally. I think this is a lost cause until people have a tool that makes it trivial for them to work with uncertain numbers. I think causal is that tool. I think that it's great that people are using numbers and using data to make decisions. You know, personal computing and spreadsheets have really enabled that. I think the next step to data and to, to numeracy, the next step to numeracy is being able to do stuff with uncertain numbers rather than fixed numbers. Uh, and I think, you know, before before the spreadsheets, people couldn't even do stuff with fixed numbers. You had to program, you had to know how to do programming to get a computer to do some basic maths. Spreadsheet comes along, everyone can do basic maths and now everyone is using basic maths in their lives to make decisions. That's great. The, ne the next step is working with uncertainty. Spreadsheets are not the tool that let you do that. And so realistically, you will never do that in spreadsheets. You need a tool that does it out of the box. Causal is that tool. Nice. That's a good sales it's, pitch. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a new era. It, I really believe the world needs a new era of numeracy. The new era of numeracy uh, is accounting for uncertainty and we need the right tool that lets us do that. And you are the right tool for that. No, sorry, Causal is the right tool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. Uh, cool. I think that's a good place to end it. We've been recording for a long time now. Oh, dude. My thing stopped recording. Oh, dude. Well done. When did that happen? Oh. Why did that happen? I don't know, man. Do you not have it as a reflex to check the Zoom recorder every occasionally just to make sure it's still recording? Oh, my God. What do we do now? I mean, it's fine. We've got the crappy quality from Zoom anyway, so we can use that if necessary. Just send me all the files. I'll sort it out. Oh, what? Or actually, you can sort it out because you created the problem. No, dude. I did it last time. I've got fine. work to do. You sort it out. I'm but why did this do. happen? Did you run out of battery? Have you plugged it in? No. it's It has battery. Why would that happen? Did the SD card get full? It can do, yeah. Anyway, any insights of the week other than to check the recording status of your recorder every now and then? No? No. Uh, do I have any? Let me have a look through my Rome research. Oh, dude, this was going to be a game-changing episode as well. I can't believe this. No, I've got nothing. I, I, I probably do, but I need to figure it out for my email newsletter. So, yeah, we'll call it We'll call it there. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcasts, podcast topics we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum question or just anything that we could discuss yeah if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. if you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly that's fine as well tweet or dm us at n overthinking on twitter please thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time